What's going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is heard live every day from noon to three on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content like invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with all the links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And again, thank you so much for your support. Big day today. We covered uh, the, in the first hour some of the uh, initial testimony from Alec Murdoch. But uh, now, as we do every day at 2 o'clock, uh, we join Matt Harris, who is the co-host of the podcast Impact of Influence. Um, it's available on all major podcasting platforms. It's been covering the Murdoch cases uh, for the better part of now almost a year and a half or almost two years uh, with his co-host Seton Tucker. And you can also hear him on the Matt and Ramona show on our sister station Mix 107.9. He's also on Court TV. He's a very busy yeah. guy these days all right so matt um you watched obviously this morning so yeah. what were your big takeaways we we listened to a lot of the audio that occurred before like 11 a.m uh where you know murdoch was asked point blank you know did he murder his wife and all of that and his son and uh so what were the big takeaways that that you heard um you're right i think that i like the strategy the defense had which just come out strong with the main points you know did you do it? And why did you lie about the video of 844? You were at the candles. You said you weren't. And then start filling in little holes throughout. I mean, that was a good way to do it. Um, saying that he lied because he's a, a drug addict and doesn't trust law enforcement. I don't, you know, I don't know what else we expected him to say about that. I thought that was going to be the, the answer he was going to give. Uh, I would think, the defense is probably thinking like I'm thinking, and so is prosecution, and Steve, you're with me on this, is that on that jury, there's, you know, maybe four or five that are convinced he did it, and there's another four or five, uh, or maybe maybe even more. Maybe there's six that's convinced he did it, and maybe there's like four that are on the bubble. Mm-hmm. And the question is, do you, did this get those four swayed? Uh, and And... Man, it's so hard because I we all he's I will say this and then people are going to bombard me with hate mail. But <laughs> I thought he was a good witness for himself. I would tend to agree with that. So far, yeah, I, I think that he appeared to be. And again, I get it, people. He's a liar. He's used to it. He's a right. liar. He's a liar. That's but, that, that. That may be the case. That that might be the case. But that doesn't. Didn't it, that, that doesn't. Uh, obviate the the performance that he did deliver whether you know it, he may be a sociopath psychopath whatever and he just but he still like you said he he did come across as a good witness for himself i believe he did i mean he seemed to be sincere and i i, I liked where he, he said things that made sense to me as a person without a great memory um that you know i didn't know at the time he never said Oh, I, I know that it was, I was there at 10 o'clock. Every, almost every question about time, he was like, I only know from what I've read in these detailed records uh, about what I can tell you about time. Because to me, I think that after something like this happens, or even something like this didn't happen, if I asked you where you were yesterday, unless there was some major thing, that even if there was a major thing, you can be a couple hours off here and there. If you say you're at your mom's house for two hours and you're there for an hour and a half, that's a legitimate mistake. Mm-hmm. 
You see what I'm saying? That right. And so a lot of the things he and the defense got to it eventually. They're like, "Do you like? Were you aware of time after this thing? Could you have been?" He says, "Yes, I could have been mistaken about times because everything's basically that everything seems to be blurring together, like where I stayed, what hour I was where somewhere." And he he talked about how law enforcement asked him what day he went to work on the seventh, and he said uh, eight nine at the latest, right? Which was untrue because it was afternoon, but he but he says but in the clip he says you can hear me say if that's wrong all you got to do is go to my law firm and we have key cards and they will tell you exactly what time I got to work. Right now so the pros- way to handle it like okay I you know. Yeah, I'm a liar, but I gave them a way to find out for sure. <laughs> right. So, right. So here's the thing: the the sincerity that he was able to portray on and is portraying on the stand, what what seems to be sincerity, that is the precise skill set that he has, and the the state is going to make a point of that. You heard elements of this in earlier testimony from other witnesses, where they're going to say he delivered that uh, that closing argument that won that family all the money, which he then stole from them. But he always had a way. Of of winning people over, right? That was his skill set, essentially BS, right? So they're going to say, you can't believe this act that he's putting on. Right. That's exactly what they're going to say. And I'm sure that one of the first questions is going to be something like, Alex, you admit you've lied for like 20 years, certainly for the last 10. You've lied to your best friends and you've lied to your family members and you've stolen from your family members. Why would we believe that now you're telling the truth? Right. Well, and and to that point, you tell the lie the night of in the cruiser where you say you were never at the kennels, right? And he says that he was paranoid, he didn't trust Sled. This will be the explanation, by the way, I think, for every lie that they catch him in. He's going to say, drugs, paranoia, afraid of Sled, I knew what their reputation is. And so he's going to say that for all of them. But what to me doesn't make sense, even though you know, okay, I, I lied, I was paranoid, whatever, that first night. But after you start talking to your lawyers... Those lawyers would then tell you, "Hey, you need to say you were at the kennels. You you need to you need to fix that because the longer you go with this lie, the worse it looks for you. So come clean. So does that mean he lied to his own legal team and to and and denied that until the existence of the video was known? Yes, that's the key, right? The, right. When, when were all these interviews done before the actual? Most of these interviews, at least, done before the actual video was retrieved off of Paul's phone. However, in one of the interviews to Sled, and I, I believe it was the one in maybe August or whatever, they were in the actual, they weren't in the car. They were actually in the, the, uh, right. the, the law enforcement office. He says something about uh, the kid mentioning that he heard Alex's voice at the kennel. There's a part of an interview somewhere where he's like, yeah, you know, so-and-so, Logan told me that... Uh, he heard me at the kettle or something, but that's just, that's not true. Right. Um, so if I'm Alex, I mean, if I'm the defense or the prosecution, I'm saying, why did you just keep sticking to this lie? Why? And then he would say, well, that proves <laughs> how paranoid and drug riddled I am. I didn't make logical decisions. I just wanted to distance myself from being there. And if I said at that point that I was lying, then you would have been really going after me. 
That's uh, you know, and I thought he and I, we've said the same thing. Like they got all these holes in the story, and so the, it, I think Murdoch is he's he's there because I guess nobody else can be there to plug all of those holes as best he can to offer some other type of explanation for all these uh, these gaps. And so I thought he addressed fairly well. We'll see what happens when the state gets its chance uh, to cross examine. But um, the I thought he did a good job of saying uh, when addressing the the change of clothes in that mm-hmm. uh, he said hey I was wearing these clothes and nobody ever asked me anything about these clothes because they claimed to have had blood spatter and it it was only a couple weeks ago when his lawyers the defense team lawyers proved there was no blood spatter on the t-shirt. It was only then that the other set of clothing that he was wearing in that first video at the tree, uh, it was only then that Sled became very interested in those clothes. I thought he did a good job of addressing that. Uh, he, he did. I, I, uh, he was able to get it in through kind of a, like uh, the answer, the, que- the way it was questioned because he objected a couple times and he said the, the question a certain way. But Alec knew where he was going with that, which was to point out, well, law enforcement just keep changing their narrative. They can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. They're singing and, and leaking to everybody. They kind of hinted at that. They're leaking to everybody that uh, I changed, you know, I, that there was blood spatter on that shirt because that was came out in various publications and things. So they're telling everybody, and all of a sudden it doesn't work. Now they're, you know, you know eight months later or whatever, changing the story and they want me to like solve it for them right um what so what it sounds like then that we're being asked to to believe is that after he is at the kennels he goes back up to the house sits down for a little while 10 15 minutes gets in the car takes off tries to call maggie tries to call her again sends her a text she never answers or anything uh at that point and what we are then we're being asked to believe that they were murdered either while he was there and he did not hear it or they were murdered within minutes after he left, which then raises the question for me, who would show up to murder those two and not, like, were they, tr- how did they know that they were going to be there in order to conduct the murders, right, uh, first of all? But then the other thing is, wh- if, they, if they saw him, saw his car, why wouldn't they go up and murder him, too? Right, unless, the, you know, I guess the argument would be, as some are saying, maybe Paul's the intended target. right. And so they don't need to murder Alec. Maggie is just collateral. collateral damage. Right. Because they didn't expect her to be there because no one, people didn't think she was going to stay there. People always knew where Paul was because he was putting it on Snapchat all the time. Right. That's uh, true. Yeah. They, right. They, they, it was easy, easy to figure out where he was. Um, Alec brought up one other point that doesn't prove anything except for Sled. Again, another thing of Sled. But I have a question about it. He said Maggie always used her, like, what is it? Find my friends, or yeah, um, and that he thought he told Sledder at some point, I guess, that her her uh, GPS would be on because of that, and you know he's, he's showing in that they didn't put it in one of the, the fairy box or whatever it is, so it was wiped clean. But then it made me think, though, but would it be on somebody else's? Right? If she, if you find my friends, and you're following them, aren't they following you, and they know where you are or something? I mean. I, I don't know why that wouldn't have been checked by Sled either. If they knew about the find my friend, go to somebody else and say, hey, where was Maggie at that time? Right. 
Uh, all right, I know. Um, so afternoon session, getting ready to uh, to to start back up here. Matt, I appreciate your time as always, sir. You can catch his uh, podcast, Impact of Influence. He covers all of this with his co-host Seton Tucker. It's on all major podcasting platforms. Thank you, sir. Later, dude. All right, man. Appreciate it. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the program. How are you? Uh, just fine, Pete. How are you today? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. What's up? Well, I'm, I'm sitting outside Hamrick's listening uh, to your radio show, and as a 28-year law enforcement retired uh, veteran uh, and a police detective sergeant in a major case unit, I would say that after hearing some of the testimony from uh, the defendant related to the direct examination by his attorneys, Mr. Bernard, mm-hmm. uh, on cross, on cross-examination, if the court allows it, and that's the key, I understand there's been a, a, a the authority to bring up things would only be allowed by the judge if the box were opened up, per se, by the defense. Right. But if the box is going to be opened up, reference to the guns that were used, the type of guns that were used to kill uh, the wife and the son, I would zero in if I were the state on cross. First, I would start. You know, with the video of all those guns lined up in his gun room, where right. it is, and I would start with each gun, and I would say, do you own a blah, 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 Model 42, da, 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 And I would think his response would be yes. And then I would go through every single gun except the two types that were used in the murder, and then I would bring those two up in the end. Do you own a 12-gauge Remington shotgun, whatever it was, and... He would probably say, yes, I guess he would. I mean, he, he takes care of his guns. He knows what's there. Then I would go back and start with the very first one again. And I would say, where is this gun, the, the first one I named? And he would say, in my gun room. Second, in my gun room. Third, in my gun room. When he got to the 15th or 18th or however many he had, the last two, the type of guns used in the murder, where is your Model 42 shotgun or whatever it is? And he would have to say, I don't know. Mm. Now, whether that's true or a lie, you know, we won't know. Right. But then I would say, if he says, I don't know, I would say, did you make a report with the local authorities on a lost or stolen shotgun worth $800,000, $900,000? And he would probably have to say no. Mm-hmm. The same thing would be asked on the, the high-powered rifle. And again, that's not direct evidence. But if he's the type gun owner that I'm familiar with, he knows every gun he's got. Uh, he's collected them for the most part. And if two of those guns are gone, he would need to tell somebody about it in the law enforcement and get those serial numbers registered. Well, and that's a good point. I'm not so sure that they've actually even done that um, with the gun that they all know was missing. Right? Um, the the one that everybody agrees that Paul lost at that party, nobody knows where that gun is. I don't even know if they filed a police report for that one. Well, my, my guess is they probably did not. I mean, I'm just guessing. I don't know the details, but, uh, if it, if it was a murder weapon, uh, I'm not sure which way I would go. (laughs) And I'm not convinced of his guilt or innocence. I'm sitting here. I haven't heard all the evidence, so I'm not going to even say what I, what my opinion is. But uh, that would be an interesting line of questioning as to what his response is to knowing where all those other guns are in detail, where they are today, and then ask, what about these two that you had? Mm-hmm. 
I don't know where they are. Right. I'm with you. I don't know guilty or not. Uh, I'm just trying to I'm listening as if I'm a juror to try to, you know, weigh the evidence as it's presented. Uh, and to me, like the state is making this argument that th- that both victims were killed with weapons that were located on the home uh, at the home. Right. These were family weapons. Now, they don't have the murder weapons, but they're saying these are the kinds of weapons that the family owns. And the suggestion there is that they were homes that uh, they were guns that the family owns. And that links it to him. Uh, and they and and I don't know if they can actually do that just based on the, the shell casings and, and whatnot. Um, and obviously the defense is going to say these are popular weapons, popular ammo or whatever. Uh, but to me, it seems really, really unlikely that if it was some sort of a hit that was uh, not Alec-related or himself, then it seems really weird that the murderers would show up without murder weapons. And they would just be like, oh, look at this. We happen to have found two firearms right here next to us so we can use them to murder them. Exactly. Yeah. I that's- agree. And, and I'm not sure a close contact wound or closer contact wounds, if I were a suspect in a murder case and i was was given a choice of guns just me a long gun is is hard to wield it's hard to conceal it's uh as long as it's going to be a close shot i would i would pick a handgun Mm. if i had my choice of guns and i was going to kill somebody yeah i hear you mark i appreciate the call sir thanks so much for uh for the insight sure i appreciate it uh, and uh, thanks for your service as well. Uh, so a couple of emails and messages here. Uh, John says, Pete, I appreciate all the trial updates. This is the only information I get about it. It's from your show. In my gut, I think Alec Murdoch either did it or was involved somehow, but I don't think the prosecution has done anything close to prove that. Close Anything close enough to prove that. Um, let me see here. And this is from... Donnell, who says, uh, your coverage has been fascinating. Thank you, Donnell. I appreciate that. Um, And a couple of tweets here. Uh, Joe says, if I was in some kind of legal problem, like a serious one, I could probably come up with a thousand different ways to get the heat off of me than shooting my wife and my child. That seems way crazy. (laughs) So, right, like I I said this from the very beginning. Uh, The motive here has always been the hardest part for me to get to. And so they're going to have to, I said, the case is going to come down to the timeline. And if they can put him at the scene of the crime at the time it it occurred, right, then the motive, it may be a crazy motive to non-psychopath people, but it becomes less of a lift. But if you can't get him to be there, if you've got this gap and it's not explainable, and I think this is why the the bullet trajectory witness that the defense brought up the other day, um, that doesn't, that did not help the state. It definitely helped the defense. And so if you don't have the timeline and the trajectories don't work, and now you have him up there filling in all of the little holes, then the motive doesn't make any sense at all. That becomes, it becomes a bridge too far, right? To me. Now, again, we we don't have the luxury of knowing what the state is going to be able to get out of him on cross-examination. And maybe they're able maybe they're able to to, you know, make some inroads. I don't know. We're going to find out Um, regarding the uh, the leaving of the weapons. Everywhere, all over the place. Yes, uh, Ikifu points out they never found the weapons. I agree. Uh, They testified they left guns all over the place. I agree. If you show up there, I mean, so all right, what, what are the uh, 
what are the alternate theories? All right, so take Alec out of the out of the equation. The alternate theory is that either what Paul was targeted because of the boat case, or um, uh, that it was a hit of some kind, right? That somebody went there, uh, paid for uh, you know paid to murder them, or went to get a collection of drug money owed, or they were cartels or the biker gang or whatever, right? There's there's some other. Motive, just take the motive out of it uh, for that theory. But those those are essentially the two other theories that exist that I'm aware of that the defense has has sort of suggested up until this point. Right? How how else do you explain that they show up with essentially the same types of weapons that are used by the Murdochs at that property? So one explanation is that coincidence. They just showed up with the uh, with those same firearms, with the same or same type of firearm, and used the same type of ammunition, that's possible, right? That, absolutely, it's possible that whoever showed up for what under whatever theory they happened to and had to have been two of them, right? Generally speaking, because I've not heard anybody advance this theory that like Alec is accused of murdering them both with different weapons, and the response has always been that's weird. Why would you use two different uh, weapons? In this murder, it would make more sense just to murder them both with the same weapon. If you're going to dispose of the weapon, why bother with two? So to me, that's always indicated two people there, right? That's just logic. Unless, of course, somebody was trying to you know, throw you off the scent, right? Trying to, uh, to cloud the, the investigation with that. Okay, well, um, if you got two people that show up to murder Paul, and then Maggie is there, and so they just kill her. So you're either going under the theory that... They coincidentally brought the the same uh, types, the same platform of firearms, and the same ammo that's all over the farm or, or the, uh, the the property, or that they just happened upon the weapons while they were there. Again, very short window of time here, uh, like 15 minutes we're talking about, and they happen to arrive while Alec is either you know napping on the couch and then gets in his car and drives away and he never hears it, or he has already left, and then your time frame is like nine minutes, eight minutes or so. But they happen to show up at precisely that time when he's already gone. It wasn't a robbery, right? It was just straight-up murder. So if it's about the boat case and vengeance, then you're looking for some very short people still, because that was what the defense team brought forward, right? Five foot two, don't know who they are. Does anybody have anybody in mind for that i don't know five foot two person um not that the defense has to bring you know not that they have to identify uh, another potential attacker that's not on them to prove it does help don't get me wrong but um did they show up to what beat up paul did they show up to attack him but they didn't have any firearms and they just happened to find the firearms there and he had the shotgun there, so they picked it up and they killed Paul. And then, oh my gosh, here's Maggie. And oh my gosh, here's another gun. So somebody grabs the other gun, and then they kill Maggie with that one. Is that how that plays out? So the motive is the boat case. That's that's the one theory. The other theory is that, you know, Alec, with this drug addiction and all this, which, like, $50,000 a week habit seems like a lot. I would not be surprised if he was actually involved with like trafficking the the pills or something but i don't know so um is it so is it a hit and were they looking for alec or were they looking for his family in order to collect money or something right that to me is that to me seems like a more likely theory but if alec doesn't bring any kind of information in like hey i owed some bad people a bunch of money then you can't ever get there 
as a working theory if uh, uh, if you're looking for you know reasonable doubt because there's no evidence to support this alternate theory and I'm not saying they have to prove it but it is very helpful <laughs> if you can throw out an alternate theory for the jurors to say well yeah the evidence does kind of point to that and that then raises the reasonable doubt again I'm not here litigating uh, from a position that I believe Alec did it or didn't because I don't know like I really I don't know and if I'm on that jury, what I know right now, I'm not sure I could convict him for it because I don't know. It's I have, and to me, the biggest problems that the state has is they haven't completely nailed the timeline, and maybe they do in the closing arguments or something. They haven't walked me through it like I'm an idiot, right? Show me everything. The defense did a better job of that. They haven't figured out a way to to show the trajectory information in a way that that shows that it could be Alec um, or is he because like he mentioned he was on the golf cart okay well if I'm sitting on the golf cart does that then lower my lower the where I've got the gun if I'm sitting on the golf cart does that then put me in line with that trajectory I don't know that it would be helpful if they could present something like that to to rebut that information so right now like I'm not I'm with the uh, uh, the emailer, I'm not there uh, with John. I like, I don't know if he did it, but it seems to me at least pretty clear that the state hasn't proven beyond a reasonable doubt, especially among 12 different people all hearing the same testimony. So anyway, uh, we'll continue to monitor. They actually just came back in from their lunch break. Uh, so the afternoon session uh, shall continue. Alrighty. So, uh, let me do this story here because I saw this developing uh, last night on the Twitter machine, and I honestly I thought it was a joke. I had to <laughs> I had to actually like track down to see is this really happening? And it is. It was. It did. It's okay. Do you remember that? You remember that crazy person that the administration hired to be in control of like nuclear waste material? Remember this guy, Sam Brinton. Guy, girl, non-binary, whatever, shaved head, red lipstick, goatee, really weird looking. Sorry, am I allowed to say that? But yeah, I guess, well, whatever. So accused of stealing people's luggage at airports, remember? All right, so last night I'm on Twitter and I see this woman starts tweeting about how uh, she had her luggage stolen in 2018. She is a Tanzanian fashion designer. She's based in Houston, but she's from Tanzania. And uh, she was on her way to uh, to Washington, D.C. to attend an event where she was invited to put her clothing on display. But her bag got stolen and she could not participate in the event. So she says last night she's uh, she had seen a story... Uh, online, I forget, maybe it had been Fox News or something, she saw a story and she saw how somebody had been stealing these these <laughs> these pieces of luggage and so she finds the person accused Sam Brinton, starts looking through Sam Brinton's social media and sees him wearing her outfits he's wearing her stuff her name is Asia Kamsin 
She uh, she designed and handmade her own clothing line for years. She said she recently saw a report that Brinton had been charged with stealing multiple pieces of luggage across the country and noticed that the former official appeared to be wearing her clothes in several photos. Like, a, a couple of them, he's, Brinton's wearing her, like, it's like this... Uh, I don't know what you call it, daishiki or something. Maybe it's a, it, it's almost like a very large dress, but it's like a poncho. It's basically it's just like one big piece of cloth with a hole cut out on the top. You put it over your head, and so he takes it and he twists it. So he's wearing it, and then he wraps it around himself. And so you could see the pattern though. It's red. Well, it matches his lipstick, of course. And so it's red. It's got this flower pattern, very distinct, and it's hers. It's hers. She said she and her husband filed a police report with the Metropolitan Washington Airport Authority Police Department. The case was never solved. They also filed a claim with Delta Airlines. Kasman pleaded for help locating her bag, saying that it contained expensive clothes and shoes and jewelry and other personal belongings. After seeing her clothing that resembled the ones in her lost bag in recent media reports about Brinton, she filed a complaint with the Houston Police Department uh, back in December. They then sent the case over to the FBI in Minnesota, where they accused her of conspiring with Donald Trump to win the election. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Brinton was uh, the DOE's Deputy Assistant Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition. He's already facing two other charges. Thousands of dollars. Could be... He could serve, like, real time for this. And then there's the whole cultural appropriation thing. She's from Tanzania, and he's white. Yeah, it's big problems for the guy now. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.